Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Dewing Grain are independent and local grade traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, they can offer you the best strategies to achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Each week on our podcast, we begin with the Dewing Grain Market Report, giving you up-to-date information and analysis, followed by Farm Chat, where we catch up on agricultural issues with a guest or two while sampling a beer. Andrew's favourite bit. So let's start with Andrew Dewing and this week's Market Report. Welcome to the Market Report. What follows are my thoughts or gut instincts on what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decision to trade is yours. Market report for week commencing the 26th of July 2021. Last few days, Andrew's been away, he's having a well-deserved break, so I'm just stepping into the void here. He's been doing an impromptu crop tour as far as I know, so I hope that's gone well, Andrew. Anyway, harvest has been getting into full swing, certainly on the winter barleys around us, and it's been an interesting few days. Obviously, the weather at the end of last week was glorious, so lots of barleys being cut. Nitrogens are low, bushel weights seem okay, and the moistures are low. What has been a bit of an issue is the retentions. Some of the retentions have been fairly low and variable, so it'll be interesting to see how we get on with those, but it's definitely been caused by the weather. The weather has created a lot of issues around the retention, so not straightforward, but with the low nitrogens, at least that's something that's good, and I think that'll be pleasing for the monsters to see that. In terms of the feed barley, early cuts have been low bushel weights, 58 to 60. The minimum spec for feed barley is about 63, so not ideal, not disastrous, but not ideal. The market will cope with it. What will be interesting, though, to see is the export programme for feed barley out of the UK. A lot of those boats will have been sold on a min 63, and certainly there are quite a few feed barley boats due out of the UK this week. And we might see a bit of pressure on that market as merchants scrabble to get some cover on. This issue could get compounded because I think there's a bit of wet weather coming through for the next four or five days. So yields again on those feed barleys have been okay. Not barn busters, but they've been okay. I mean, as a guide, as available, feed barley X farm is going to be around 140 to 145. But again, I think depends on how the export program goes from the feed barley. So boats have been sold. So it'll be about getting that cover on and getting those boats loaded and getting them out. On the malting barley side, as I discussed earlier, we've seen some winters coming in and combines rolling. The guide price on full spec winter barley is probably about 170 as a guide, 10 pounds over for springs. Still early days on the springs, nothing been cut yet, haven't seen anything. We still expect the springs to be okay in terms of quality. It's just the winter barleys and the retentions that have been very variable so far. With regards to the all-seed rape, we've seen huge market volatility. On Thursday, it was soya beans in the US had a massive drop, but EU rapeseed had a fairly hefty rally after opening the day at about 14 down. It got to about 10 up, so volatility is the watchword there. In terms of an ex-farm value as we sit today, it's about at £425 ex-farm. Yields on rapeseed should be okay. But funnily enough, weather again is going to play a huge issue. We had reports last week of these hailstorms coming through in Essex and Leicestershire and Kent. 
some of the hailstones that we saw on the news reports were absolutely huge and some crops did get absolutely massacred by this hail which will be pretty devastating for those farmers affected and completely powerless to do anything about. I mean, car windows were smashed and some roofs were damaged, so you can see what you were trying to deal with there. In the round, rapeseed seems to be holding up okay, and we'll have to see how that fares when the combines start to roll. The wheat market this week, well, futures started the week fairly bullish, fairly good rally. They came off towards the end of the week, I think probably just to do with the big rally they had. November futures currently sitting about 174 this would make feed wheat X farm for November around the 168 mark with harvest probably about 158. Looking further afield, the Ukraine was seeing these huge temperature increases which was stressing the crop quite badly. They've now started to see some heavy showers coming through, flattening the crop, damaging the crop in some places. This will affect quality and could increase mycotoxin issues and it has definitely slowed down harvest. The Ukrainians tend to like to get all the wheat cut fairly, get it on boats and get it shipped. But I think with these disruptive weather patterns, that's going to slow down the export programme there. In terms of domestically, Andrew mentioned it last week, we were still waiting to see how the French would get on loading coaster vessels over to the UK. In a nutshell, they still haven't got on and done that. Wheat has been exported from France, but it's been going on to the larger Panamax vessels, which have been going to the North African markets, which are their traditional markets. So the French have looked after those markets and kind of waiting to do the coasters into the UK. So this is adding uh, pressure onto the old crop market. And I think with these rains coming through over the next four to five days, which will certainly affect Norfolk and probably other parts of the UK, we're going to see more of a delay on that wheat harvest. What we really need is probably some really good blazing hot sunshine just to finish them off. But I think until we see that, the wheat harvest will continue to be delayed. First week, August feed wheat, that could get to be a very interesting market depending on the level the shorts are at and where they can find the cover to get the deliveries going. So this market's not over yet, playing tricks on us. In the US, the spring wheats, again, the ratings were down. So that's yield and quality that's been affected. Canadian prairies, again, have seen a dramatic drop in their quality and yield. And this is to do with the heat stress that's been going on there. Signs are that this isn't over yet. I think there'll be a few sort of US-Canadian farmers starting to get a bit stressed about how this weather pattern's going to turn. Really, that's it from this side, so have a good week's trading. Let's hope that combines can get rolling again soon or this rain gets blown through quickly. Let's hope for a good harvest. Finally, I'd like to add that it's with great sadness that I'm letting you know that Hilary Bayfield passed away recently. Hilary had been with Jimmy Green for quite a while and many of you would have spoken to her on the phone and dealt with her when you were coming into the office and Hilary was... Always good fun and always a laugh and, yeah, definitely brought a smile to people's faces. She will be greatly missed and I'd like to pass on our heartfelt condolences to her family at this difficult time. Thank you for listening. Please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours. The Dewing Grain app will keep you updated with real-time industry news, data analysis and insights into the market, giving you all the information you need to make informed trading decisions. 
a commodity selling feature enables you to source prices and receive direct offer notifications informing you on what Dewing Grain are looking to buy and at what price. Search Dewing Grain on the App Store or Google Play to download and with all of these features in your pocket, you'll have more time to sit back and listen to our podcast. To set up a trading account with us, call 01263 731 550 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk. And now it's time for Farm Chat. This week we've got an in-house Ian and Ben and myself conversation. Harvest has started and so there's a bit of excitement and lots and lots of activity with the market zooming upwards on just about every commodity. So hi Ian. Morning. Hello, Ben. Before you grab the microphone, I think you should have introduced Ben as our special guest, as Shooter McGavin, if we've fondly declared him as today. Hello, Shooter McGavin. <laughs> I'm just looking at Ian. Thanks, Chunk. <laughs> hey, you guys. <laughs> right, for those of you of a certain age, Shooter McGavin is... Who is Shooter McGavin? He's a golf pro in the film Happy Gilmore. Okay. Who's also a bit of a tool. <laughs> <laughs> so Ian's not being very nice. As ever. Now, do you know what? I won't say who said this, but I was talking to an independent person from our office who felt that Ian Webby gets picked on, bullied. I bet that was Liz. No, 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 no. Outside of office. No one from the office. Do you think that's true? Well, see, no, what we've <laughs> noticed in the office is Webby is really clever at making lots of sly comments to people. Yeah. And then when we make comments to him, he looks all wounded. <laughs> and people do feel that they're like, oh, God, everyone picks on me. And it's like, no, they don't. <laughs> so <laughs> just give him the mic. Just give him a chance. So are you oppressed? Most of the time, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I do uh, very much enjoy, um, find a few pressure points every now and again. I subliminally <laughs> just keep chipping away at them. Right. It's so quite good fun. It's going to be one of those we have podcasts. We're in danger of having a very, very... <laughs> this podcast has started where we should be finishing it. So I'll try not to bully you, my little snowflake friend. <laughs> <laughs> so what should we start with? The market has gone up from 164 on the November mm. futures to 181 in a matter of a week. Yeah, it's been an epic move, hasn't it? Yeah, it really, so uh, why has it happened? Well, the, <laughs> the obvious, there's more bullish stories out than bearish, isn't it? I mean, you, you, every headline, <laughs> I know you can see like that for anyone more buyers listening, and sellers. is a broker's <laughs> comment, right? That's the man who goes, I'm going to sit on the fence and not come up with anything. In fact, politicians answer. Yeah, but there is. There's there, more you, buyers you, and sellers. You, yeah, no. We, you can't see, I'm not reading any bearish headlines right. at the moment. If a farmer ever phones you up and says, right, why has the market gone up? And you say there's more buyers and sellers. It's just kind of like lame, isn't it? Give, it's actually correct, though. Give Ben the microphone. <laughs> That's like trading 101 for beginners, isn't it? More buyers than sellers. That's what it is. So the point is, when I say why, I'll give you the chance. I mean, why has the market gone up? More buyers than sellers, <laughs> No, I mean, what have we seen? There's been a phenomenal weather pressure recently that's been coming across Europe. Well, it's caught everyone. You've had horrific floods in Germany. Yeah, I think that was a catalyst point, that was. I think yeah. that happened, and obviously that's caused or created damage, and it's obviously made harvest delayed in some areas, because it was quite yeah. an extensive area that was damaged. And that, on top of the continuous Canadian dry, that hasn't really been given enough credence or enough reason to push the market <clears> up. It's just been going on and getting worse and worse by the day. And then there was a dry forecast for the states on their corn crop and some hot weather to come, following lots of rain. Those things were helped by a catalyst or cataclysmic weather event. Yeah, and on top of that, we're now seeing that it's hot and dry in the Ukraine mm -hmm. and parts of Russia hot and dry. So this is just adding sentiment to a market that I think kind of felt this was coming. 
And the most recent, uh, last night, I mean, this is being recorded on Tuesday. I'm having a couple of days away from the office this week, which is very exciting. Middle of harvest. So there's a new... Oh, sorry, I thought you were going to talk about last night's crop progress, because I thought that was quite no, bullish was, as well. Yeah, yeah we'll bring that in, go on. Well, I mean, we'll start on that, the uh, crop progress. I think they downgrade it from 11% good to excellent down to 6% on the US spring wheat area. Okay, that's US. It's more the it's... poor to very poor, that amp. Did yeah, that yeah, I, it's 64, 65%, I think, is right. it? So it's pretty I mean, that's dire, and that's going to correlate into, you know, the Canadian story, and, and that's part of the rapeseed story. What's the main part of the rapeseed story, really, at the moment? Lost in Brazil as well. Yeah, I mean, that was damaging. I saw there was an analyst that suggested that the Safrina was down at 59 million tonnes. I think it's a downgrade of grossing about 22 million tonnes. So it's one of those harvests where the projected tonnages for everything seem to be higher, and blow by blow is getting smaller, isn't it? Yeah. And so the consumption figure remains constant. Yeah. The production figure is diminishing. Yeah. So it means there's a bigger and bigger yeah. hole in stocks at the end of the season. So that is underlyingly, importantly, <clears throat> very bullish, isn't it? It is bullish, but as ever, there is a bigger crop coming. What, bigger than consumption? No, but bigger than last year. Yeah, bigger than last year, but still smaller than consumption. That's the point. Yeah. yeah. So the stocks in the end get smaller. This grasp at way to kind of quell this crazy, we want to buy everything mood. Mm. I mean, 181 <laughs> trading on the North Futures, which is where, we're out. goodness knows where it'll be by the time this podcast goes out. But it's gone out £17 a tonne in one week. Is there a chance for a profit take? Or is it a chance for such should we be selling it? Well, it's a chance for some kind of profit taking because it's such a big rally in such a short space of time. Yeah, so store members may wheat value 185 Is that a sell? It's a really good price. Yeah. It is a good price. Getting slightly uh, technical about it. It's not that we have a very technical office, but there's a whopping great gap in the chart at 189, isn't there? Will it go up? What we got to see? What we 181 traded today? Will we go up and by release of this, will that gap be closed? Yeah, if I had to say, where will we be this time next week? The harvest of wheat is not going to occur until August. That's another issue. Let's talk about that. I do believe I did mention relying on the French at a critical moment is never a great thing to do. And lo and behold, there's boats in the ports in France and the French are saying, I'm not loading it. We'll just pay to Murridge. So they're going to still be within contract, screw everybody over. Boats are getting cancelled. So the armada of French ships ain't happening. Big shock. I'm glad you chucked that in there. I was slightly worried you're going to do a, you know, talk about the French without some sort of French impression. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, well, the point is that if you really need them for something like supply of wheat, it's a dangerous ground to be playing on. And the yeah. other thing that's occurring, apparently, is that the freight rates for cargoes, for boats, trading around, you know, in, in the Bay of Biscay through the Channel and what have you, there's a shortage of boats. They're all in the Baltic, you know, delivering concrete for new Russian air defence systems or something. But the point is all these cargoes or boats are being used used elsewhere and so the freight rate which is say normally 16 euros is 21 euros if someone hasn't fixed the freight on the deal they've done they've just lost all their margin haven't they and that bodes badly if you're relying on imported grain coming in because it's more expensive to the tune of five euros a ton so if we do have a shortage of wheat in the uk which we won't have we'll be exporting it freight rates cost more so it'll be harder to compete yeah, yeah. you know if you're relying on sending it out on a ship but it's going to be very interesting on old crop wheat. I think it's going to be very, very tight in East Anglia the first week of August. I think we genuinely could get to the point of, dare I say it, running out. Yeah, I mean, we never do. Repeat of almost what was happening with the barley. I mean, barley got so steamy, didn't it, towards the end? I'd experienced conversations with growers looking at burning off the barley early just to be able to try and take advantage of an old crop market. 
Yeah. Our future stores stock will be gone, I'm told, by Friday night. So okay. it will be empty, which normally there's someone hanging on to the very bitter end. So at the end of this week, there'll be no more futures left. It'll just be our stock, our carryover, mm. our little bit that we've got to but supply. But you've held up your shirt just for yeah, a well, I just, yeah, rainy I'm, day. Well, you say that, but one of our faves phoned up and said, I've actually miscalculated, I need three loads of wheat. We did say that on the podcast two or three weeks ago. Yeah, okay. I agree. I did. But it's about making sure that your faves have the stuff and then hopefully there'll be a few tons left over the top of that and we can say, yeah, you can have it for two million pounds. <laughs> Just, I don't know. We will be empty. That's the most important thing. And we won't be seeing new crop until at least August the 5th, I reckon. Yeah. Wheats do look a lot different now. Certainly in Norfolk, we've had lovely weather and it's moved things on Yeah, quickly. that's the septoria killing it. There's a massive, the, massive septoria yes. attack that's gone on and yeah, fusarium. Definitely. So the yield, which was going to be quite exciting, has been without doubt set back by a late so, fungal yeah. disease. Unfortunately, the conversation I'm having is it's gone from being a ton of hectare up back to being an average forecast. Yeah, month. I think you're right. I think you're right. And kilo weights are going to, you know, that's where the difference will come. I mean, the other thing we need to consider is obviously the OPEC news this week. Mm-hmm. You know, they agreed to increase oil production. You know, it feels to me like they've done that because they want to try and help the world economy. Yeah. You know, if you can keep everything moving, keep goods moving, then the guys with the oil, they don't want to see a dramatic drop in consumption again. No, I mean, the only thing to counter that is the climate change is getting even difficult for America to ignore now, isn't it? I mean, they've had deaths on the northwest coast. Huge wildfires, isn't it? Well, in the German torrential rain, a once in 200 year or so, if ever, experience. You know, this is genuinely some of the scientists saying maybe that their models were overcautious so this is becoming a proper emergency isn't it and there's a big lump of ice just north of greenland that's kind of wedged in that's always perceived to be a safe piece of ice is melting and they didn't realize it was is the last sort of place for a polar bear to live well you know that being the case surlingham's gonna be underwater ben thanks (laughs) well it was a nice village while it lasted i was right about the french So, mind you, if you sell your house at the moment in Norfolk, it's worth 30% more than it was a month ago. The house price boom over here has been mm. outrageous, despite lie-lowing areas. No one knows about that. It's a quick get up a hill. Anyway, so we've got macro issues. There's a big macro sell-off. Oil's come down. COVID. Yeah, that had a bit of an impact, didn't it? The stock market's got spooked by the Delta variant. You know, what are those guys thinking? Are they thinking, oh, there's more lockdowns coming, right? Demand will drop. Things will drop. But people are trying to open things up. So the market seems to have recovered a bit today on the stocks, I mean. Yeah, look, I mean, COVID has become quite real. Henry's got it, son number two. And uh, Josh's girlfriend's got it. And there's a whole load of that group who've got it. It's very local. Loads of my mates gone around like a wildfire. Yeah. I think it was September, October last year. And I was kind of our mate group, one of the only ones who've had it. I was speaking to Nick Birchall in the week. He's had it. Oh, he's got it. But he's luckily an athlete, so he didn't notice. But it is definitely more prevalent than it's been at any point in this part of the world. Farmers will be coming up to the isolated season anyway, aren't they? They're going to be Yeah, but we, you know, we went to that funeral season. last week. There was the, the funeral of Jake Van Portfleet and 800 people there. And it was really moving. And it was, well, how do you put this, a, a lovely mm. gesture of goodwill towards the family and everything. But the sort of little do they put on a tent with lots of aeration. So there's people kissing each other left, right and centre, weren't they? You know, the old French kiss on each cheek. Have some of that, Covid. It was um, definitely worthy of a mention. Obviously, we all knew about Jake's history within the trade. And Andrew, you did a nice piece on him the other day. But it was 
nice to see. There was two things I thought was nice about the day, as morbid as it is, but it was very well represented by the grain trade, actually, which was nice to see. There were several local merchants, and even people in the trade had travelled quite a way, which was really nice. But also the other thing, and I'm, I am very biased on this being a rugby man, but several Norfolk rugby clubs were there. And yeah. it shows that it was a very big rugby community kind of family spirit to it, which yeah. was nice. Spanner Foot was there, wasn't he? Well, but yeah, he was there. Yeah. Representing Dis. And the grain trade. We still haven't got that banner, have we? That one, the best club in Norfolk banner. We need that, don't we? Okay. Footy, if you're listening. It's a, a sad day. There was a hell of a turnout, a well-deserved turnout, I've got to say. No, Absolutely. But COVID is going to get round. I'm kind of glad six days later that I haven't shown any symptoms. I thought, if ever I'm going to catch it, it's going to be today. I sort of stuck to the beer area and kind of didn't let anyone touch me. I pushed them in the face if they came nearby sort of thing. Yeah, I imagine no one kissed you, did they, Ian? (laughs) See, that's why people think they've been picked on. We've picked up on this. So let's just talk quickly about what we have seen in terms of samples. There is some excitement. The barley has come in so far with very low nitrogens, which is great. That makes life very easy. The biggest issue is lack of retention. And for those who don't know, retention is the boldness of grain. If it stays above a screen of 2.5 millimetres, that's retained grain. The stuff that falls through is a bit thinner. To use an analogy, when my brother went to Tonga in the late 70s, early 80s, he went out there and the most attractive women to Tongans are really fat ones, right? (laughs) So the fatter the woman, the more attractive and more in demand she is. Well, it's the same with malting barley. If you get loads of really fat grains they're the ones you want that is the strangest malting barley analogy i've ever heard <laughs> i get it i, I see where it comes yeah. from yeah it yeah. makes sense yeah. supermodels nah yeah. fall through there's not enough goodness in there <laughs> we want the fat big bold grains we also like a very neat ventral furrow as well don't we? oh. with some uh, short head killers. i'm very glad that you've studied the particular characteristics of malting barley in and for those unaware so where we can't talk now because he's laughing so much at his own joke <laughs> He didn't mention the dorsal side or any of that. So, no, completely right. All pigmentation come to that. But it is a very vital thing for every grain trader to perhaps go on a barley identification course, he said, grasping at straws at saving the day. (laughs) On that innuendo. So, kilo weights have been a bit low in places. Yeah. But largely, they're kind of seem to be okay. Biggest thing is for local machinery dealers is the number of people phoning up and saying they can't get the awns off the barley. Well, here's a bit of experience for you. It isn't fit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in the end, there's a point at which, just because someone else is combining, doesn't mean to say they're doing the right thing. There has been troubles for us in the past. We actually sent a text out, which no doubt will upset people, saying, please make sure you thrash the corn out properly. Because we end up with conveyors and elevators clammed up with awns, and the same going through to the monsters. It doesn't Yeah, we get claims and rejections. Yeah, and rejections yeah. for awns, which we don't do as a door. You know, if you're not thrashing it out properly, there is going to be a cost attached to that. So, you know, you've got decent weather, be patient. But anyway, if the nitrogen's low and the retentions are low, it's where will the molster draw the line? And it's pointless speculating on that too early. I think as far as a store is concerned, we can make that good. In previous years, we've had some very low retentions and we've screened it up and been able to present barley to a molster that's usable and it doesn't get those terrible, you're rejected because you're 62 retention or something. You know, it, At least it doesn't get those on costs and selling it spot for a credit price. So I think you need to look very carefully at what your spec is before you let it go on a lorry and then weigh up who takes it. It should be good for us. It should mean people come to us because they're just not going to get that misery out of thought yeah and we can sort things out and make it good yeah feed barley there's plenty of interest on that market as well 
you know, the base of the market seems to have plenty of buyers. I mean, I appreciate, you know, there's obviously very high water levels on the Rhine at the moment, so there is an increased demand for barley coming from East Coast ports, perhaps. But it seems that both Tilbury, Ipswich, Yarmouth, you know, Immingham are all interested in buying feed barley. And I think it sounds like there's going to be a healthy business for that. So that's perked up a bit in terms of Mm. price this week. I don't think it's going to run away. There may be a bit of harvest pressure, but I don't think that'll last too long. Is there anything else going on in the world that kind of having an influence on what happens next? I think we've talked about it in previous ones, but I'll give it a bit of a rapeseed plug. I mean, it's been an insanely volatile three months, really. But I mean, this last month has been pretty nutty. The Canadian influence, we've talked about the hard reds, US crop progress. But I mean, just north of that border, the Canadian prairies is where it's been hot. And maybe between three and seven million tonnes of rapeseed is going to be written off their balance sheet. I mean, they're a 20 million tonne producer normally, so maybe that brings them down to the 13s. But the rapeseed world, S&Ds, can't afford to lose a lot of seed, and it's looking very likely at this stage. So I can't see too much downward momentum, even though there may be maybe some better European yields out there, possibly. Well, European yields, let's specifically talk about France. That's important, not so much. Well, it is important yeah. on rapeseed. I'm going to say the only things I'm seeing at the moment, and I'm a big fan, sadly, of Twitter at the moment for some of the yield news that you see. And southern France yields would have been one and a half to two tonne a hectare. They were pretty crap, really ordinary. The ones I'm seeing at the moment are three, three and a half. Okay. But are they dressed up? Yeah, I don't know. We're not in the main. It's not really fair to comment yet, I don't think. I think the UK rape crop potentially is the crop of the year. I think it recovered in places, not everywhere except, but going around the Chubbuck's farm, I think rape has done better than people, or will do better than people thought. It has been attached a bit really recently well. with podmage around the headlands mm. and things like that. So there's been a few things like the wheat's had some last minute things against it. But yeah, on the whole, I think it will be reasonable. But there's still too few acres in the ground, so it's going to be in demand, isn't it? And I mean, again, back to France, the French wheat crop is beginning to get written downwards, isn't it? This rain is at the wrong moment. Well, I think you quoted a number just this morning, wasn't it, that I can't remember which body came out with it, a drop of 400,000? Yeah, but I think the biggest issue is the volume of tonnes that's being written off to feed. And that's kind of good news in the sense that there's a smaller yield, it's going to push prices up. If you're looking at it from a farmer's perspective, it should help milling wheat premiums. So what about the dynamics? So there will be a bigger feed wheat crop across Europe by default because this weather. The premium's going to go up. To our market, will we follow the Matif contract, being the milling wheat contract, as everyone knows? Will we get caught up in that or will that spread widen, are we going to see more pressure on the feed wheat market? We all remember last time the milling wheat contract in France traded on a certain Hagberg and so on, and then they didn't have the certain Hagberg, but they pretended they had, and then they rewrote a brand new contract, and they did that kind of like shrug of the shoulder and do all sorts of crazy things and end up delivering a load of shite and telling them that was the contract spec, that's your luck. So, yeah, it's a French contract, that's why lots of people trade it, and they think this is brilliant. As far as we're concerned, if there's more feed wheat around Europe, it will be harder for us to sell our feed wheat to Holland if they're going to be able to ship it on a boat or on a lorry across the border into the market. So I don't think it's great news for us if there's lots and lots of feed wheat in France. If the yield is smaller, it does have a factor. And don't forget, the French have made some big commitments of Panamax vessels to move during August. So they've got a good export programme to start, and one assumes it's sold on the normal expected (coughs) spec Yeah, and the French are definitely going to want to execute those Panamax vessels because it's to their normal client base in North Africa who they want to get them back on track. Mm. So, you know, they'll want to make sure they execute those contracts and hang anyone else, really. What's happening in Russia? 
Well, again, we're seeing heat there. Mm-hmm. So what's that going to do damage to? Corn. Corn. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ukraine's got corn issues. Ukraine heat. has corn issues. I mean, what did we read? Somewhere like a 0.7 drop in the yield would equate to 4 million tonnes being wiped off the Ukraine crop. Mm. And then the other thing, a bit bizarre, this one, but Kazakhstan last year did 4 million tonnes of wheat or export, and they won't be doing that this year. That's not happening. And they're actually banning exports. So something's happened there where they've obviously just yields have dropped. They're trying to control domestic price inflation, but, yeah, they're doing something. I mean, currently, Baltic wheat... For September, I'm told, is about a fiver cheaper than the UK. So August has got its own little reasons to be firm in the UK because of harvest and the pressure and the lack of stock, etc. But September, we are being at the moment undercut. So there won't be any export in September because you can buy it cheaper, much cheaper somewhere else. But would that not be the norm, though? We're not that competitive, are we, in the harvest positions? Well, we don't need to be that competitive. I mean, how much of a surplus do we need to have? You know, you can ship it in Novdek, Jan, Feb, can't you? So it's when do we become competitive, I suppose. Yeah, but again, that'll come back to freight rates, won't it? Fine, it's being quoted that now, but I bet if you try and come to book a vessel, your freight rate, I bet it's going to be higher than there. A lot of people are budgeting. But it's going to be high from France or anywhere, isn't it? True, yeah. So if Ireland wants to buy, then mm. they're going to have to buy from somebody and freight rates will just be part of the cost they have to pay. But similarly also, to chuck in the mix, and I haven't looked at the S&Ds well enough, but what about Ensis being on the pitch now properly? Yeah, no, great, isn't it? So they've got a certain amount of product coming in. I would suspect that he'll probably buy Baltic September wheat. I think he's bought some August, but I don't think he's into September yet, so it's £5 cheaper, he'll import it. But then being back on the pitch as a player now, and they've been in the market for old crop, weren't they, in these sort of final Yeah, no, absolutely. You perked the whole thing up. It gave the S&D for the UK, kind of took away the last bits of wind. We've still got a stock into, are we going to run out? Which is where we're at relying on the French. As a roundup, if you had to say in a week's time when this podcast is out, will the market be higher or lower than where we are today? I want to go for higher. Ben? Yeah, I'm higher. Yeah, me too. So that almost guarantees it's going to go down, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) So with that, apologies for this week's uh, prices. It's been done by another member of staff, whoever picks up the baton, because I'm going to go missing for a week or three days. I hope that by the time we get this podcast out there that we are really getting into the meat of the winter malting barley and I hope it's a lot fatter like the Tongan women coming into the shed. I really do want to see big fat bold grains. The nitrogen level looks like it's going to be a doddle. We're getting 1.2s, 1.3 nitrogen and uh, I think we're home and dry on that one. It's just, is it going to be fat enough? So with that, thanks very much for listening. Thank you. Cheers. Oh, and one more thing. There's no beer. There's no beer because no one sent us any beer. So anyone out there worrying about us being a little bit dry, it's up to (coughs) you. (coughs) Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they are released and follow us on Twitter. We are at Dewing Grain. Call Dewing Grain on 01263 731550 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by East Coast Design Studio in Norwich.